0: I want us to look for a short time this morning from uh, that passage we read, uh, but particularly from verses 7 to uh, 11. So I'll read those verses once more. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Now I'm sure uh, we've all found the last couple of years or so quite a difficult time. And uh, many in our communities have suffered a great deal. Uh, It's also been very challenging for uh, churches, and in some cases, relationships have been strained. Well, they have in some of the churches I've uh, had the privilege of preaching in over the last couple of years, some difficulties. Well, however you have fared here over this period, it's good for us to consider those, this most wonderful passages fr- uh, passage from the Bible, which includes this famous statement, of course, God is love. It's all too easy, of course, to, to elevate love and, uh, so that it can take the place of God. You know that uh, old pop song, All you need is love, uh, which uh, uh, I used to hear a lot when I was a little bit younger than I am today. Now, C.S. Lewis, he uh, warned of this danger of making a god out of love. We must never do that. And he said this, love begins to be a demon the moment it begins to be a god. In the name of love, he says, anything can become lawful and can lead to untold misery and loss. Good. Well, that's not what we are taught here. Twice the Apostle John makes this amazing pronouncement, God is love, verse 8, and then again in verse 16. And he does so in a context where he's urging Christians to love one another. In fact, this little section from verse 7 to verse 11 is framed by this call for Christians to love one another. You see it there in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. And then at the end of verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So there's a nice little frame. So that's why I'm taking this little section together. Now, interestingly, John introduces this appeal with uh, uh, something he often does in this letter, with the word beloved. And uh, some translations, of course, have dear friends, but that's, that's really tame. Uh... It doesn't catch the clever use of words. You see, what you have here is, Loved ones, let us love, for love is of God. (laughs) So that's what you have here. John loves the people he's writing to and he's encouraging them to love because, well, God is love. That's what we're about here. John practices what he preaches. He loves these people. He's a real, there's a real heart of love he has for, for his people. And, and this is God's word to us. It's here in the Bible. This letter has become part of God's word to us. And it's, very, it's a very convicting passage. It's very bold. There's no beating about the bush because uh, he says some quite uh, startling things because he says if uh, if anyone doesn't love then whatever he might profess the sad fact is we don't know god if you don't love then you don't know god why because god is love okay now we find that these verses tell us a number of important truths about god and about love. Love, in verse 8, is fundamental to God's nature. And then in verse 7, God is the source of love. And then in verses 9 and 10, God has expressed this love for all to see. So, let's look at these points in turn. First of all, verse 8, love is fundamental to God's nature. Anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. This is a really essential and basic point for understanding everything else that John uh, says here about love. God's love is the first love that ever existed. It therefore provides us with the true definition of love, and it is by God's love that we test all other loves. God was love and loving from all eternity past. God is love. Love dwells in God. Yes, before the creation of all things he was love and he was expressing love before there was anything to love before there was anybody else to love. Now that's amazing. and let's remember this. Love, uh, one of my uh, lecturers with us, he put it like this. Love wasn't just an idea in God. It wasn't just a, a thought in God. It wasn't some dormant, slumbering power waiting for an occasion to express itself. This is a very important point. And uh, we may be already thinking well, how could God express love when there was nothing to love? When there was nobody else around to love? Ah, you see, God is love and has loved from all eternity past because in the life of the one God there are three persons you see Father Son and Holy Spirit Jesus himself made that clear didn't he when he told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit not in the names uh, there's, so there's a unity here there's a the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the one God. This letter of John speaks of God the Father, but it also mentions God's Son, Jesus Christ. And in addition, of course, the letter introduces us to the Spirit of God. In verse 2 here of this chapter, uh, speaks of uh, Uh, the Spirit of God. And again in verse 13, he's also called the Spirit of Truth. Later on in chapter 5, verse 6, who bears witness to God the Son. So, the Bible, the Bible, first of all, of course, insists that there's only one God. That's very basic. and We must all remember that. There's only one true God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we don't worship many gods. There are many so-called gods that people have invented and worshipped, but as the Apostle Paul insists, there is in actual fact only one God. But then in the next breath, Paul insists that, uh, Paul states that Jesus is the one Lord. He says, one God, one Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 8, 6. And then he informs us that the Lord is the Spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now, there are hints of this fullness in the one God in the Old Testament, which I can't go into this morning. But uh, I can assure you there are good hints already in the Old Testament so that it doesn't, become, it doesn't come as a surprise in the New Testament. Before anything existed outside of God, there was then an eternity of love in the one God. The three persons of the Holy Trinity love one another. And that's wonderful, and amazing. God is love from all eternity past. Beautiful love existing there in the unity of the Godhead. Take that in, dear friend, this morning. Just take that in and think about it. What a contrast this is with Islam's understanding of God. God Their God is not as great as that religion makes out. It rejects the Trinity and does so sadly from the Quran's misunderstanding of God and the Trinity. The Trinity is not Father, Jesus, and Mary, as the Quran supposes, but Father, Son, Spirit. And this threesome does not mean there are three gods, but one God in three persons. Because of Islam's denial of the Trinity, it cannot say that their God is love before anything else existed. No. But there is this one God and in this one God, pure, perfect love that has existed from all eternity past and continues and will continue to all eternity to come. And in the presence of this eternal God, this unchangeable, flawless, outgoing love that dwells in God. We are stopped in our tracks and silenced and it should lead us to worship and to adore this triune God who was and is and ever shall be love. So before we consider his love toward us human beings and all his works of love we need to just take a step back and adore the perfect eternal love of this one true and living God. Father, Son, Spirit we shall not find such love anywhere else We've sung about it in the psalm 145 and we've sung a hymn of Horatius Bonner. O oh, love of God, how strong and true, eternal, and yet ever new, uncomprehended and unbought, for all, beyond all knowledge and all thought. O oh, love of God, how deep and great, far deeper than man's deepest hate self-fed, self-kindled like the light changeless, eternal, infinite we worship and adore God the God who is love but then John states that God is the source or the origin of of love verse 7 let us love one another for love is from god love is from god he is the fountain of love wherever true love exists and is seen however imperfectly it comes ultimately from god all true love derives then from god if we are to love one another in the Church of Jesus Christ, for instance, then we must know this love of God in our own souls. Love, John states, is a mark of the new birth. Everyone who loves is born from God and knows God, born from God. Now you see John Writing this epistle, he gave us the Gospel of John, and there he speaks of the new birth there, doesn't he? Remember, he mentions this in his introduction, uh, there born, not of the will of man, but of God, and then he gives us an example of what that means in the story of Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, wanted to know. More about Jesus. Jesus stops him in his tracks and says, You must be born again. The Christian is one who has been born anew, born from above. Do you know anything about this this morning? So important. Christian is one who has become part of the family of God. Children of God, not by human birth, but by the spiritual birth. God is love, and love comes from God. We love because God first loved us. Verse 19, love doesn't originate with us. Our love, however poor, is but a reflection of God's love. But you see John's closely knit argument concerning the love that Christians are to show to to one another. Uh, We are to love one another because we're all part of this family of love if, uh, if we belong to God. If we don't love, if there is no love in our hearts for our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, How can we confess that we know God? Because God is love. If you hate, if you don't love your brother or sister in Jesus Christ, how can you claim to be born of God and to be in fellowship with God? So do you know something about this love? This love, this heavenly love, this love which is produced by the Spirit of God. But you say, you've spoken of this eternal love dwelling in the heart of God, but I'm not at all clear what this love means. What does it mean for me? How is this love seen? How is it expressed? Are we to think of some nebulous thing, nebulous feeling, something sentimental, something sickly. All this talk about love, plenty of it around. But no, it's not something sickly and sentimental. John knew his readers would be asking such questions as this. And again, he takes us back to God's love. But this time, he directs us not to the love that existed in the threesome of the one God, from all eternity past but to the expression of that same love toward those he has created in his image. So we come to our third point. God has expressed this eternal love for all to see. In verses 9 and 10 we read in this the love of god was made manifest among us that god sent his only son his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him in this is love not that we have loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin we got a big word in there which we will try to explain in a moment but you see what he is saying God's expressed this eternal love for all to see this divine love was seen most amazingly in the gift of God's only begotten son God's unique son God's one and only dear son sent him God sent his son, God the Father sent his son into our world that we might live through him, verse 9. That we might live through him. And then excitedly he states, here is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, some translations, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, the propitiation of for our sins, now God has not left us in the dark then concerning his love. Many people say, "Well, is he a God of love? Where is his love well this here 's the expression of it. you couldn 't get it any further than this. Here is love, dear friends, this morning, here is love. Anybody ask you about. Well, what about God's love? Why, I, You see all this mess we're in in the world today and all these viruses and whatnot and walls and all. Where's God? Where's love? Where's his love? Where's he shown his love? My dear friends, he's demonstrated his love most perfectly in the giving of his one and only son, unique son, his only begotten son. So God has not left us in the dark. Actually, all through the Old Testament period, we have demonstration after demonstration of God's love, but John doesn't go there. Where is the great sight of God's love? Well, it's in the appearing of God's Son. In this world, for us sinners, in this is love. Here is real, genuine love. We're going to sing William Reese's Welsh hymn, Dammagariad Vellamoroi. I ought to bring a better Welsh in somewhere, didn't I? Here is love, here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. This demonstration of God's love should bring us all to our knees in humble, reverent spirits. What a wonderful, amazing, awesome sight. Holy, heavenly love displayed in the sending of God's unique Son into our messy world. This topsy-turvy world, this rebellious, God-hating world, a world of humans that want to live for themselves rather than God, who think that they know better than God what is right and wrong. But not only did God's Son actually come into this world of rebels, but he actually became the atoning sacrifice for sin. That triune love was demonstrated in the sending of the Son, not only to live a sinless life, as a human being but to give that life up to, the, to death on a cross yes he lived our life he was tempted and tested like us and yet he remained without sin and in obedience to the will of the father he went to the cross to die that atoning death for sinners the world over love you see did not brush human sin under the carpet. That's what we tend to do. Love endured the just punishment that human sin deserved. That's what this propitiation is all about. Enduring the punishment that our sins deserve. Now, So his death is an atoning or propitiatory death. Now, let's put it like this. We see people all the time trying to placate God. They hope that God will be merciful to them if they pray more, go to church more, uh, help the poor more. I don't know. Perhaps you're thinking like that. That if you just do a bit more, come more, perhaps do even bit better on a Sunday, not only just come out on a Sunday morning, but you'll come out at five o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and that God will really think good of you for that. Trying to placate God yourself. Are you one of those trying and hoping that through some good action on your part, you'll be able to make God think of you better and accept you, as you are. Actually, such thinking is pagan. Trying to pacify God by offering him something so as to be accepted. That's paganism. The Christian message begins with a fundamental conviction that it is God who makes the first move. God. The God who is love. He makes the first move. He first loved such a world as this and provided a sacrifice from within himself to settle his own opposition to all rebellion against his rule. You see, this is what's happening at the cross. He himself because he's love. He uh, propitiates, he pacifies his own wrath on account of human sin. Love did not ignore our sin or treat it as, an unimport, as unimportant, but he dealt with it openly and righteously on the cross. On the cross, we see the love of God covering the wrath of God. For all those who belong to Jesus Christ the Saviour. That's what's happening. At the cross, the love and the justice of God meet. This is the way that we have life, eternal life, life in all its fullness, life in the presence of God forever. Acceptance with him. To be able to stand upright in his presence. It's all because of Jesus Christ. His righteousness and his atoning death. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Amazing love. Amazing love. We can often talk a great deal about love. We can even say we love. And we never get any further than talking about it. Well, God doesn't just tell us that he is love. He has demonstrated it. The Apostle Paul talks about it in the similar light, doesn't he, in Romans. He's demonstrated his love. He's shown it. It's there for all to witness in the Son. God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all he went through while in this world of ours. There's no excuse then for not knowing what it is like. When it comes to loving a lost world like ours, loving people like us, God's love is selfless and it's costly. It is love to the loveless. It is love to the unlovely. It is love to the unworthy. It is sovereign. It is personal. It's overwhelming we are just lost in wonder, love and praise at such almighty love. Beloved, says verse 11, therefore, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Boys and girls here this morning, it's lovely to see you. From the youngest of you to the oldest of you, one has gone, oh has he gone to sleep, lovely, wonderful but we all need this love from the smallest to the greatest the love of Jesus, nothing like it in the whole world your parents are lovely I'm sure and love you but God loves you even more I sang a Little hymn, when I was a child, I learned it. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yeah? The Bible tells me. Yeah. It's only there. Most people expect God to be love, you know. You wonder where they find it, don't you? Where do they get the idea from? Well, it's the Bible that tells us. God tells us. God So loved the world that he gave. You know that verse? God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son. I wanted to bring you in. It's so important. Thank you for being here. It's lovely to see you. Yeah, so, now then. If you know this love, then you're to love one another, you see. This is the end point, isn't it? This is why he's saying all this in this context. We are to love one another. The fundamental command is to love God with all our beings and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And it is only people who have been changed from within, born again, that can begin to love from the heart in the way that is pleasing to God. So the Lord speaks to us all here and challenges us all. If you love God, then you must love your brother. If you have been changed by God, by his Holy Spirit, you must love one another. You must show this love. It must be self-sacrificing. This must be open. It must be ready to go the extra mile. This is the love that God has shown us and demonstrated to us in his Son. May God help us all to show the love of God in Christ in our daily living, at home, at school, wherever we are. And so to be demonstrations in ourselves of the love of God who has so loved us. And may it attract others. They'll say, wow, those people love. They love in a way that's different. It's a heavenly love. It's out of this world love. And that's the sort of love we're to show. May God help us all to show something of it. For Jesus' sake, amen.